salutations, greetings, and welcome to it. It's when Highbury was home, a loud booth podcast presentation. I'm your host, True Story. I pray you all, I pray you're staying safe. Um, I pray areas in our country and throughout the, the continent that have been affected by Louise are just, you know, going through the healing process, you know, and where you can, you know, start protecting yourself or whatever else may be on the way, you know. It's so crazy, you know, we have to deal with natural disasters in a time when we also face with our own mortality as a result of an invisible enemy like COVID. It's just one of those things that just reminds us to appreciate every day, appreciate every blessing, and understand that stuff like, you know, sports for us, which is an escape in a sense, is... It's not the be-all and end-all, you know. There's so much more that, that happens in life that we need to value and take stock of as well, you know. Like Uncle Jalen Rose always says, is the, the score of the game and it's the game of life, right? So for us as well, you know, it's one of those things where we've actually been so soft on knowing that, you know, we, we'll do the part, there's a review, can do one episode a week, even if it is, and if life happens, life happens, you know. And it's one of those things where I know some fans will be like, hey, I didn't see you post. Um, apologies if it does irk you in any way. I know I used to be one of those type of purists where, yo, bro, just post, just post, just post. And you're thinking, well, life happens, bro. And you're thinking, let's give ourselves more time to take stock of life because, you know, today's not guaranteed. You know, tomorrow's not guaranteed either. And you, so we just appreciate every single moment. We appreciate every single moment and everything we do have. So... It's one of those things coming into it that, you know, we appreciated the good run of form that we were on as Arsenal, you know, the lone blimp at Southampton in the FA Cup last week was, rather this week, depending on when you listen to it, it was tough to take, you know, so it was one of those things where I just sat back and said, okay, well, when last did we speak to the folks? Yeah, we were on a run of form, um, some pretty good results, one half-decent one and one bad one, so we just review them with the takeaways like we normally do and then preview the Southampton game tonight where we have a chance at retribution, right? And for me, it was just like one of those things where, you know, energies are up, you know, we continue to work through through everything that's going on. We're like, you know what, let's reach out to the folks. Let's touch base and put some good energy towards the squad. Maybe they stumbled against Southampton because we ain't put out an episode. You ain't know, man. So <laughs> we stayed doing what we got to do, you know. So the FA Cup third round tie against Newcastle was... One of those things where Saturday the 9th, you're thinking, hey, man, weekend game. Boykies haven't played on a Saturday in a while because we're playing Thursday, Sunday. Let's see what they can do with it, you know. And it was a B team. We want to know after extra time. Yet the strength and the depth of our B team came into question in a game like that, thinking, like, Bern Leno had to start, bro, because we don't have a backup goalkeeper. We hadn't even gone to, towards remedying that, you know, before the, the Matt Ryan signing. So in that game, he had to start because Runison is not levels, right? And then it's kind of dead or at left back where there is no backup for Kieran Tierney. So he's having to push through these type of games. And now injuries are starting to come and, and back to bite him. When, when he came to the club, he was dealing with injuries. I would have thought because he came in injured that we would have tried to make sure for the next year and a half we don't overplay him because he's nowhere near his peak yet. His body's still developing, right? Yet we overplaying him as a result of not having a backup. Because even when we had Sayed Kalasnik, it's not like he was the best left back backup. We used to play him more at left center back sometimes just to spot Kit Tenny games, right? So it's like, nah, something needs to be done over there, man. Um, 
the the Nelson and William development situation. I don't know what's going on there because William's supposed to be the experienced player that, that spots in when Nelson's not available on that left side yet. He's nowhere near it. Even at 10, he's nowhere near on the right side. He's nowhere near it. And all those minutes he's taking are literally minutes he's taking away from a player like Reyes Nelson. And that's affecting his development. So now he may have to go out on loan because Martinelli's back. And Martinelli's development gets affected when William gets considered ahead of him sometimes for games. So that needs to be sorted out, which is kind of dead off for Pepe and Saka where we signed Pepe. And we've always said we signed Pepe at the time when Saka was about to come into his own. We got lucky for a season where we could play Saka at left wing back and try to see what happens with Pepe further forward. We thought he caught it last season and we thought he had hit that breaking point where he's breaking through. Didn't necessarily happen for him. And now we're sitting in a situation where Saka's taken that position on the right side and Pepe is getting paid too much and we paid too much for him for him to be a backup player to a kid we promoted from our academy, you know? So something has to give with that. And over time, we're going to have to see something happen, maybe even in the summer. So that's going to be one to watch. You know, the Nketiah Balogun situation, we may have to deal with it down the line as well, or it will be resolved for us before the summer if Balogun ends up leaving because we've put so much stock into Eddie, which is great, yet even for his development, it's nowhere near where it should be. And when we should be loaning him out, we're scared to do that, saying we don't have cover, yet you have young players in the academy like a Balogun, even a Nicolaj Moller, who are young players, they're strikers, they score goals, you know what I'm saying? Take a gamble on them, you know? So it's one of those things where I'm not understanding as it regards, as it pertains to that, that I was one of the biggest advocates for Mikel Ateta knowing I felt his development of the young players would be one of the things that keeps him in the job because he was going to do that so well. Yet now it seems he's so experienced, reliant, that it's a bit to his detriment when you look at the the Pepe's, the Williams, the David Luizes, when you could be playing younger Mandem there sometimes. Yeah, man, it could, it could come back to bite him and we pray it doesn't, you know? Another one of the takeaways was the central attack in midfield role saying, we like Emil Smith role there, but if he's not playing, then who plays there? You know, because Williams not levels. Gaffer doesn't seem inclined to go promote a Charlie Patino and say, hey, here's a chance for you to start, you know, at, at, at first team level, although he's trained with the first team. Yes, he's still young, but he's a natural born number 10, right? So it's one of those things where you think about it saying, hey, we need somebody to compete with Emil Smith in that position before the player himself becomes complacent, knowing there's no one else better than me to play. So why do I need to perform at my highest level, right? The older guard links and the signing now that's been confirmed, you know, that's great to see because we need a player like that to compete with Emil Smith and to also play where there's a level of 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 quality that we retain in that position, right? Because it's one of those positions where when we have a quality number 10 or a good number 10, the rest of the squad actually almost figures itself out because everybody then knows what to do in that squad. The moment we don't have that, then it's like on paper, it could be good, great personnel, yet when we get on the field and then the, op the opposition defense keeps a low block and says break us down, there's no one there who can play a decisive pass. And we've seen that like countless times when we go devoid of a number 10. Who plays a killer pass? Yes, if guys we can grab the ball and dribble past two or three guys or lose the ball if they try to dribble past three guys to try to create a chance. Who's got the ability to pick up a ball, pick out a pass to a forward run and says there's a clear-cut chance or there's a chance for you to go maybe play another ball that could create a goal for us, right? Emil Smith-Rowe gives us a lot of that. And our Odegaard coming in, we can get a little bit more of that as well. And let's continue building around that because we have match winners, but if you have no one to get the ball to them, what's the point? It's like having three-point shooters in basketball, but no playmaker, no point guard, right? It's like, who's going to get the ball up there? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, we're going to have to resolve that. 
it seemed as if in that game the the team was growing in character. I don't want to say it seems as if just because of one loss to, to Southampton, the way we did lose, but it's one of those things where I felt in this game that something like what happened against Southampton wouldn't happen after this type of win against Newcastle. And I guess it does happen, you know, where you saw at the end of this game, we should have lost it against Newcastle. Leno pulls off a triple save at the end against Andy Carroll, and you're like, okay, we're staying in this game. If we don't win it from here, then I don't know what, you know. And we did win it, which is great, you know. VAR came in our favor, you know, for, for a change. You know, it's one of those things that Arsenal fans, it's like preparation leading to the moment of opportunities where we quantify luck to be, you know, and it's, we're starting to play more positively. We're starting to play without having a dependency on the referee will either cost us this game or win us this game. We'll play it according to our merit and it'll be what it'll be. And you saw in that decision where Millsmith wasn't scared to go in for that ch- for that challenge, right? Where a few years ago, you would have seen our players scared to get in for that tackle, saying, hey, I might get sent off for one of these here, coach. He went in for it. Rev pulls out a red. The players react with, are you sure about that, Rev? Rev goes to check VAR, overturned decision. You're like, yeah, we got that on merit because you were fighting to try to get that ball, try to win that ball. There was passion. There was energy. There was fight. You got lucky with that, you know. So that's preparation leading to the moment of opportunity, and we're grateful for that. VR coming into our favor as well. Shout out, you know what I mean? <laughs> Alba finally scored in that game, and it's great to see him score and smile, you know. He's going through some personal issues right now, and we pray all is well there by him and with the family as well, knowing that that's, that's somebody we, we value because of the light he brought to our football club, but what he brings to football as a whole, even if you're not an Arsenal fan, you're just a fan of football or a fan of sports, or a human being, just what that human being brings to life and to, to humanity. Shout out to him. So to see him happy and to find his joy through what he loves doing, I was grateful to see that and we pray that his situation, whatever may be going on with him, continues to be worked out, you know. Prayers, love, and light to you, you know. Um, The next game we came up against was an EPL game against Crystal Palace. Um, We were at home. It was the 14th Thursday. <laughs> And you're thinking, okay, Brodies, y'all know how to play Thursday night. You know what I'm saying? Unfortunately, we know how to play Thursday night. Y'all can come out there and give a performance, especially coming off the back of beating Newcastle in the next round of the FA Cup. We had rested a couple of them there. Yeah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Literally, that's like four games now. We've gone winless against Crystal Palace since January of 2018. For some people, you don't worry about that. But for me, it's like a mark of certain things. Like, Palace is a team we should beat, even when they're at their best, best. We've beaten Palace. Even when they were scorching and they had Yohan Kabai in that midfield and he's picking passes out of wherever he wants to pick them. We beat Palace. You know what I'm saying? When they had righty back in the days, dog, we could still beat Palace. So it's like, to go four games without beating a team like Palace, knowing that even the ascendancy within other teams in London, we're starting to lose that dynamic a bit. That's a bit worrisome for me personally, and it's something I'd like to see us resolve going forward. The left-back situation, we've spoken about the backup left-back situation, so we've overplayed Karen Tierney, and again, we saw him in this game, saying so without Karen Tierney, then what do you have? Because Saka's graduated from playing in that backup left-back position. You can't go to him and say, hey, we're going to start you at left-back and play Pepe at right wing forward for this game because we need a left-back. I'm Saka, I'm like, yo, go tell Pepe that. I'm playing and I'm performing. You're going to tell me to move position over Monday, but it's not performing. He's left-footed. He can go play there. You know what I'm saying? So it's one of those things. We're going to have to work that out, bro. Real talk because those dynamics like Ainsley Maitland-Niles isn't consistent enough in that position. 
And I just think he doesn't want it enough in that position. So it's one of those things where if you're saying to him, okay, he knows he's not going to be a starter in that position, so he's not pushing. And right wing back, it seems he's identified, okay, between the two, between Tierney and Bellerin, Bellerin's probably the weaker one. I can get at this one and I can get a start over here, right? If he's not securing a role there, then maybe look to move him to midfield and that could be your ideal partner for Partey because he can have the legs to go up and down and then he and Joe Willock are then fighting it out because that place is actually open for the Uzo, right? Otherwise, then I don't know what we're going to do with that because we haven't promoted young players in the left wing back channel. You know what I'm saying? Joel Lopez is somebody we speak highly of on the show. We haven't seen him get a look in, you know, and it's one of those things where he's a natural left sided wing back, you know, left back. Modern age can play with the ball out from the back. Yes, the height thing, but you've had the TNEs, the Bellerines, who aren't the tallest. We've had Ashley Cole's not the tallest fullback, so you can you know how to make it work within the defensive scheme. Let's see him get a run out at the very least, you know. If we're not going to get the, the Ryan Bertrand deal done now, we're going to need to fill that in because we can't go in saying Suarez, uh, Ainsley Metno, Nile, Saka, they can all fill in there. Xhaka can play there. No, no, no. That's how we get into the positions when one injury costs you your whole season. We've seen that in the past. We can't do that no more, bro. We need to improve. Like, like let's say insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results, bro. It's like, if we keep doing the same thing, bro, you know what I'm saying? Then you're going to go mess around on the last day, get me an Andre Santos, bro. She out trying to get niggas ready. Hey, bro, don't play with me. I ain't want to say the R word. <laughs> we literally live with right now. We don't say the R word, bro. We can go top off of the table tonight. Like, stop playing with me. You know, um, we're talking about, like, in that game against Crystal Palace, looking at the injury force changes, lack of depth, you know, looking at that, like, Marie, Gabrielle out, Louise has to come in. Martinelli, Nelson out, William has to come in. That's not levels, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're talking about the strength of the B team from, from the Newcastle game. That's not levels, though. We need to make some changes, you know? So it's like, we need to we need to start changing even just how we play in certain games. Like, there's certain times we have, like, like-for-like like changes, you know? Like, no plan B. Like, Mikael needs to learn how to throw in the kitchen sink. I remember back in the days, Alex Ferguson, bro, he'd be like, 85th minute, dog. Sometimes 80th minute, 75th minute. Get these mandem, dude. Okay, you want to keep a low block? I cooled it. Your plan was to come and play us on the counter. Now, here's your chance that we're going to throw everything at you. Let's see you try counters. Now, mandem are scared because they're like, oh, snap. These guys are coming at us. And if they score one, two goals, even our chance to play them on the counter is over. Yeah, play with mandem and the psyche and that, you know, the psychology of the game. So I think Mikel is still liking that, where it's like, Sometimes in a game, go for strikers, bro. Go Martinelli on the left side, Uber and lock it down the middle with Saka on the right side in the last 10, 15, 20 minutes of a game. You know what I'm saying? Then you play Partey and Emil Smith-Rowe in midfield. Say, okay, Partey, you're my deepest midfielder, Smith-Rowe. You're the guy who's going to ping the ball forward like a, like a quarterback, bro. Like, again, when we use a basketball analogy, like, Golden State Warriors won how many titles, that whole thing of the death lineup, where they're like, okay, when it comes to winning time, these are the players we're going to start to play, and we're just going to overpower opposition teams because they won't be able to keep up with us. You know what I'm saying? Offensively and defensively, they can't keep up with us the way we play at this pace with these players, right? You do that. Because something has to give with it. Like, Mikael can't keep going with the same freaking tactics every single game. We're expecting something to happen. Nah, Cal, bro. Like, that ain't, that ain't it, bro. <laughs> So we go back again against Newcastle after that, saying, you know, this FA Cup, drawing a team that you're going to play in the league after. Like, I don't know if they're thinking it's a smart thing to prevent contact and whatnot or to minimize the contact with other teams, but damn, it's kind of tough, bro. Like, <laughs> it worked against Newcastle, then it didn't really work against Southampton when we lost the first game. We're praying we win the second game because then it's tough. <laughs> but yeah, we beat Newcastle 3-0. 
Monday, you know, it was a great game. It was a great game to see Uber back to scoring two goals, you know, more smiles, you know, more smiles, more goals, you know. Saka got himself a goal as well in that game. Great to see, you know. It's like five clean sheets in all competition for the first time since February 2009, bro. It's like, how many years? 12 years of gut defending that we had to go through just to witness that. Like, five consecutive clean sheets in all competitions, bro. I know that sounds like, oh, no, no, but we're talking about like 12 years. We tell me like there's no spell where we're just like, okay, we're in a good run of form or we're playing some cock mandem, then we can just keep five clean sheets. Shit like that irks me personally. Pardon my French, dog. I speak English, but that irks me, bro. Because it's, it's the thing where you're sitting there thinking like, mandem get paid to defend, you know, and you can't win without a decent defense, bro. Like, like attack wins you a couple games, defense wins you championships, you know? It's crazy, man. So another one of those takeaways for me in that game was that Partey needs a partner in that in that central midfield. Yet he also needs a role. I feel you know because it's like in that double pivot they are very dis like depending on what type of game you play. If you want to play the deepest of your central midfielder being the ball player, the one who actually transitions the play because he's fetching the ball deeper, and then your box to box midfielder is the one who is the less technically inclined of the two. That's dope, you know, some prefer for my most defensive-minded one to be the deeper-sitting one so that he disrupts the play, and then my more technically gifted one who links the play between the, the midfield and the number 10 and, the, and then the front line, I, he will sit in the, in, the, in the half circle there. That's what it is, yet Partey doesn't seem to have a role in our team because there's nobody next to him where, like, when you put him next to all our central midfielders, he's the most defensive-minded and the most technically gifted. It puts him in that Paul Labile Pogba situation, you know, shout out the boy, but I love Pogba, but United, that was his situation for the longest time, until Fernandez came now where there's somebody in there who's a bit more technically gifted than him, and then Daniel van der Beek is somebody who's a bit more physically gifted than him, so you can kind of have three different type of unique roles, okay, Labile, you are my box-to-box -box destroyer, Danny, I can make you my deep line playmaker in the sense that you disrupt the play and then you stop my defense and then Matthias, you my furthest forward because you're a creative player in that regard, although you can still sit deep in a three-man midfield. Whatever we're going to do with that, we've identified that Emil Smith throws our creative player in that midfield three, and he's got the legs to come into midfield and work, right? I love that about him to the point where now it gives you flexibility. You can go get an out-and-out -out defensive midfielder next to Partey or go get somebody who's more technically inclined, a la Asabayos, with a bit more consistency. And then let's see what that midfield becomes, right? Because right now, bro, I don't know, like something's going to have to give with that right there. Um, <laughs> real talk, Emil Smith-Rowe deserves to get the number 10 jersey. Like, I mean, Uzo's gone now. Um, that kid is literally our number 10, and we need to double down on the fact that we're promoting these hair-end graduates. Right? So it's nice for these kids to walk into the dress room and see Bukayo Saka wearing Rocky Road Castle's number 7, right? You know what I'm saying? For Emil Smith-Rowe to wear Dennis Bergkamp's number 10, right? And you're sitting there thinking, damn, that's the level from hair-end all the way there in less than 10 years, 12 years for some of these kids. That's, that's something that will help a lot in there because we have a great flock of young players coming up. And it's like you want to give them that idea where there's this word that's been used by a lot of the agents where they want a clear path into the first team. You're hearing that every single contract negotiates a clear path into the first team. You're like, you clear your path into the first team. When you're performing at a certain level there, bro, the club knows either you're going to go or we're going to have to play you. You know what I'm saying? We're going to have to sell somebody to play you because somebody's already playing that position, whatever the case may be. 
Saka did that, you know what I'm saying, to a point where we may be selling Pepe next season because Saka's proven that, right? Emil Smith-Rowe pushed out any thought of us even wanting to see Ozil maybe even back to the point where we didn't even want to see Isco come to our team because we have a number 10. We're getting order guard coming. We're like, okay, it's cool that we don't have a buy-in fee because we know Emil Smith-Rowe may grow to the point where by end of season he's an England international and a fixture in that squad to the point where he can't be benching in our squad so we need him to be starting you know what I'm saying bro that's the level we're talking about you know and for for Mandem like a Balugan when you see that and you're thinking damn I'm trying to go to RB Leipzig where the Mandem are going to sell me in a season and a half to the highest bidder and here there's trust there's there's relationship there's loyalty I want to stay here where there's that you know I don't know, to each his own, what you value is what you value. Yet I feel for me, I'm one of those, I'm big on that. You know what I'm saying? Like, loyalty over money for real. <laughs> like, you know, we love our monies, but you know what I'm saying? You can't buy loyalty with any money you have in the world. So, loyalty real like that. So, it's one of those things, something to watch out for down the line. Well, let's reward some of these kids and it'll pay big for us. You know what I'm saying? In that game, we saw a clear point of why we need a plan B, right? Position with our progression was one of those things. We had a 67% ball position, 634 passes, 89% ball percentage accuracy, 20 shots on goal. You know what I'm saying? Six shots on target, seven corners, three goals. We win with a clean sheet. When other games, we didn't have a plan B of, okay, when it's not working for a sideways passing, can we get a bit lateral? Can we get a bit diagonal with the ball? We saw a lot more flexibility against Newcastle because they're going to sit back. So you're going to have to be on it from minute one. You're going to have to run and break down the defensive lines. You can't wait for them to come out of their low block. They're never going to do that. You're going to have to break them down. By the time you up a couple goals, now they have to come at you. It's free flow, you know? So that was great to see. And across the board, it's like another win. You know what I'm saying? Another clean sheet, which transitioned into the FA Cup game against the Saints, where you, I was pretty confident going into that game, you know, Saturday. Hella confident going into that game, thinking, oh, man, I right, cool. Our B team may not be all the way there, but we can maybe get a little something out of it, right? And then <laughs> we lose one no, bro. Like, real talk, I mean, our B team players are not levels, bro. Again, Leno had to start, you know. Matt Ryan was on the bench. He was signed, yet the fault he wasn't ready enough to come in. But mismanagement of the situation across the board, we should have handled that sooner. Hector started with Suarez at left back, and it's like, okay, Ainsley's what unavailable, I guess. But then without a backup left back, you see what position you put us in where our two best right wing backs are now basically playing in the same game in an FA Cup game when one should be resting, the other one should be starting, and we should have a balance that allows us to do that every single week without fail. Because at the start of the season, we knew how we were going to play. Our fullbacks were going to be essential to how we play, so we needed at the very least two fullbacks in each position, plus a young player backing them up. Mismanage of the situation yet again. Um, El Nene and Xhaka playing together, there's always no creativity. Um, for Mikel as a central midfielder in his, in his trade when he was playing, not the most creative central midfielders, but he could at least get the ball going and moving forward. If he was more creative than Elneny and Shaka and he wasn't an out-and-out creative mid, I think he should be able to see the fact that without a creative outlet in that midfield, we're not going to get anywhere. Especially when you play Pepe and William, who are playing with no desire and confidence right now. Where Pepe is trying, but it's almost a thing where he knows he's trying to no avail now. There's no carrot you can dangle at him like, yo, at least you'll start next week. Nah, Saka's better than him right now. He knows that. Okay, we'll play you in another position. Emil Smith-Rowe now is the 10. Um, 
okay, on the left side, it's Martinelli or Uber because now Luck is scoring goals. I can't play you down the middle because goal scoring-wise, you're also not doing that. You're not the type of player who's disciplined enough. I'm having an issue with left back. I can't slot you in there because you're not going to show me the heart and the discipline I need to see. The way if you could do that for me, I could go change my team around and play you as a quasi left wing back and open up that whole left side channel and play to the left, to the left, knowing I've got a world class player in that position. You just made it hard. You know what I'm saying? Like Martinelli mismanaged, plays in a game like this, and you're thinking, I'd like to see him play with the first team more often when he's able to contribute towards making the team better than having to carry a team that is nowhere near the level it should be. And he's not fit enough to be what he may be at the same time, you know. Aiden Ketia needs a loan deal because I don't think he's a better option than Balogun right now. Yet now we've played ourselves in a situation where even if we loan out in Ketia right now, play Balogun. If Balogun works at the end of the season and Lord forbid Aiden Ketia's loan doesn't go well, we've basically lost two strikers. It's, it's bad management again of the situation. Um. In that game, I was like, okay, we have a Kia, Giraud, Krum, elephant-sized uh, situation in the room because it's an over-perform, an over, an over-reliant and an overpayment of his players, right? Especially those two former Chelsea guys. And when they play decently, okay, that's okay. We can justify that there. But when they play uh, like they tend to do, there's no justifying it anymore, right? And it's like, Mikel tends to play them. Like, it's the moment there's an issue with centre-back, the moment there's an, one midfielder down, Luis or William are the next man them up. And you're thinking they're saying, these men have no impetus on them to improve or to play to the level that they may be able to still play at at age 33, 34, 35, whatever the case is, right? And they also know that their agent owns y'all. So if you don't play him, he's going to go to Key and say, they don't want to play me, let's walk. And then you lose your super agent. And the question becomes, what moves is Kia making to keep him in this role? Unless there's a promise in the summer of a slew of players coming in, bro. What did we really get from this relationship with Kia, the super agent? Because, I mean, it was rumors that he helped facilitate the Pepe deal. And you're looking at that as well. We lost out. So, yeah, that's going to have to be addressed moving forward because it's starting to affect the on-field performances. Like, with things like that, we always talk about that, like, super agents having a relationship with clubs is nothing new and it's nothing that I'm against in the world. I have an issue when it starts to impact your on-field performances negatively because the whole point of that is supposed to stimulate your on-field performances positively. We saw what Key and them did when they got to Corinthians, right? They, they made Corinthians one of the best teams in South American football, arguably one of the better teams in world football. I'm big on that. Don't come and take one of the better teams in world football and run them like a Mickey Mouse operation, bro. Then we're going to have an issue with how you do business. You know what I'm saying? There's the question as well of, like, <laughs> where are the kids, you know? When we had Europa League, we knew Thursday night, Channel 5, it's cool, we're going to watch our kids. Willock, Ainsley Manton Niles, Reese Nelson, you know, Balogun. We, we we could we could see we could see the light thickies getting a game and there'll be a chance for them. Some of the light thickies would be on the bench, you know, Ben Cottrell, Charlie Patino would even just be training with the first team squad ahead of those games. I expected the FA Cup to be more like we had those games when we'd watch Wenger come in and play, literally kids wearing number eighty five, bro, and you like, yo, who's that? Like Gavin Hoyt is Justin Hoyt is what? Like these two Hoytises? I miss those days personally, because at the very least those kids knew if I play well in this game, I have a chance. Because I'm going to get a chance. Once a season, those kids knew that we're going to get a chance. They could be playing Reading or Blackburn or Nottingham Forest or Man United. They don't know. They just have to stay ready. I like that because at the very least, those young kids would give it a go. Sometimes they'd win, sometimes they'd lose. Sometimes they'd be playing with some rotation players. Play with, play with the Thomas Rosinski. That will help take, take your level up a little bit, you know? 
I'm not seeing enough for that anymore. When I'm asking myself, where are the Charlie Patinos? Where are the Ben Cottrells? Where are the Mario Hutchinsons? Where are the Kiddo Taylor Hearts? Where are the Miguel Azizas? Where are the Joel, where are the Joel Lopez's? Where are the Arthur Gongos, bro? We've got young talent in the squad. I'm not seeing enough of it, Miguel. I know your job is under pressure, but that's what buys you grace as a football manager, if you haven't realized, especially us, the fan base. We will love you when we see that, okay, you know what? It may not be happening for you now, but because you can identify a talent in a 16, 17, 18, 19 year old, I'm big on you having your job for the next two, three years. Because then those players could potentially be the ones that help take you to the level, the level where you deserve to be, where you may be. These current players may not be it, but if you can manage to get some of them out and get some of these young ones in, it works for you. Now you stop doing that after Europe, the Europa League. And now the league, is like the games are coming in thick and fast. I'm seeing you make decisions in midfield where, like we said, you start a, you start a El Neni and Xhaka. Like, where the freak is Joe Willock, bro? Like, you need, you, you need to start. You were forced to make that Emil Smith role change, and now it's worked for you. It seems like you want to just luck out on these decisions. That's where I'm starting to doubt you. When you start to show a lack of faith in my kids, I start to show a lack of faith in you. Because it's about my football club. It's not about an individual at the end of the day, bro. One of the biggest takeaways and the issues that irked me about the FA Cup game was, which we'll get into later on in the pod, you know, was the Nketiah-Balugan debate, you know. Just quick numbers for me that just at the top of my head thinking, okay, you food for thought, you know, make make of it what you will. Aiden Nketiah's 21, Folerun Balugan's 19. Since 2017, Aiden has played 52 games for Arsenal, scored 10 goals. Since the start of this season, Balugan's played five games, scored two goals. You do ratio as you will. Um, national team for under-21 this season, Eddie broke the under-21 record for England, 14 goals in 12 games. Broke Alan Shearer's record, leading goal scorer for England at youth levels. Shout out to him. You know, the records at all levels for Arsenal was one of those things that was kind of interesting. You know, at all levels... For Arsenal's under 21 and under 23s, in, 40, in 52 games, AD had 42 goals. Balogun in 80 games, he had 57 goals at the same levels. Kind of interesting to note. But at the same time, I said, rather, and at the same time, I sat there and said, we've seen what AD is right now at 21. Maybe not ready yet. Like a season and a half in the championship, you would have a refined striker who would know his role. And the minutes he's getting right now, I think Folerun Balogun could do more than Eddie managed to do in his time as a teenager with. Because I think he's just a little bit further in his development, Folerun Balogun. And it's one of those things where Mikel hasn't done anything about it. You know what I'm saying? And the team hasn't done anything about it. It's a point where now, like we mentioned, Balogun's contract is going to be up end of the season. Eddie's under contract. Development is stalling. Now what? You know, where... Best case scenario, you loan out Eddie, keep Balogun, play him, praying that you can sort out a hush-hush deal with Leipzig, like you'll tear up the pre-contract. He didn't sign a real contract with y'all. We'll pay you a little bit on the side, plus loan you a player and do some business down the line for Deo Pomagano or something. I don't know. You know, one of those things where you can endear yourself to both players and then Say to AD, listen, spend a full year out on loan at a club that you want to go to, the manager that does want you, and then let's see what it is going to be down the line for you. We're going to have Balogun as our second to third choice striker next season. Work it out from there. Because right now, bro, <laughs> after getting knocked out in the League Cup and the FA Cup, we have to win the Europa League and finish in the top eight for Mikel to keep his job.
I'm not being no fortune teller or being mean or anything like that, Mikael, bro. That's just the basic of it, bro. No European football next season. And then there's no contract for Mikael, though, because then there's what are we building on? Rather, somebody else comes in from scratch and builds with a new identity. Because right now, on field, yes, the results are coming in, yet consistency sometimes you're getting these results in spite of your decisions where we're continuing to seeing the williams we continue to see the 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 jaka and El Nene midfields and oh my goodness but we'll get there man so positive news now <laughs> we got a game tonight <laughs> cheer up praying for when you know we're up against the southampton away you know um quarter past 10 central african time kickoff um, you know what I'm saying? Our last 10 games against Newcastle, against Southampton, pardon me, we've won five, drawn four, and lost one. So it's one of those things where we're pretty good nick against them. All of their wins against us in EPL history have come at home, you know, seven in total. So we've got to be wary of that. When we when they welcome us to the Stadium of Light, it gets really litty. So we've got to watch for that, like real talk, man. Um, we're looking for our third consecutive away clean sheet, right? So first, third consecutive away clean sheet and win. Rather, first of all, let me get this right, because this is the craziest stat for me in the world, right? We're looking for a third consecutive away win for the first time since October 2018. Then we're looking for a third consecutive away win with a clean sheet for the first time since May 2013. Like, bro, I don't know where you were freaking October 2018 or May 2013, but I know I was being hurt by Arsenal. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, I, I don't know too much else was going on, but I know Arsenal was hurting me in my heart, and we were not okay. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's been not okay for a while, and we're healing. That's why we do this. It's like therapy. <laughs> we're trying to meditate through it, so it's real, man. So it's one of those things where we're going to have to start, like, Picking up these, this like, like runs like that are very key. You know, when you when you keep a clean sheet and you win three games, four games in a row, and it's for the first time in eight, nine years you do that. Big ups to you, because then you start to break that run of we can't do this. Now we can. And when you start to see those records for, I know some managers like I remember, I think it was Brandon Rogers when he came to Liverpool, and they had so many records up on the wall that they hadn't done this in how long, and he just he wrote them all on there. And I've seen that in, in, in football and basketball a lot. Like the real great coaches, they do that with a team, especially a team that has to fight back from an underdog status. Then you scratch those things off the wall every single time you overcome those. Like, okay, you hadn't won two games in a row. Now you win two games in a row. You haven't kept two clean sheets. Now you keep two clean sheets. You hadn't scored more than four goals in a game. You erase that. You, haven't, you hadn't gotten 30 points in the first 10 games of a season. You've gotten that now because you went undefeated for the first 10 games of the season. Like, just shit like that to motivate you and inspire you, you know. You need that. So, for us to knock those type of, 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 of records off the wall, that's dope to see, you know. We pray and we continue to do that tonight, you know. Um, the Saints have kept six clean sheets in this season, conceding just 21 goals in 18 games. Not bad in an EPR where, you know, people concede and score goals at a, at a, pretty, decent at a pretty decent clip, right? So for, for them right now, I mean, they're one spot ahead of us in 10th, we 11th coming into this game thinking, yeah, man, it's pretty tight in that, in that, in that middle of the pack, you know? Um, we come into this game, though, joint second in the form table, right, over the last five games. Having picked up, if I'm not mistaken, 13 points from 15, one four, drawn one. Yeah, the only other team with a better record than us is Man United, Man City, who are second with a game in hand. 
potentially going first, and Man United were currently first. We tied with them for the same record where they've won four and drawn one over the last five. So we're in pretty good company. We just got to follow through right now, you know, as it is with us, it's consistency that kills the cat for us, you know. So we got to make sure we go right through with this one against Southampton. Also get revenge against them. They knocked us out the FA Cup. We were defending champions to get knocked out in the fourth round. That is... That's not nothing to hang your head on. That's really disappointing, you know. So we gotta we gotta atone for that. Our skipper is doubtful for this game with a couple of personal issues that he's working through. So we continue to pray for Pierre Mika Bumayang and his family. Um Pablo Marie is still out with the cough injury. And Danny Ceballos is expected to return for this game. For what it's worth. <laughs> Our predicted lineup for this one. Um we're going with the four, two, three, one lineup. Um Burnt Leno's the number one in goal. You know, Hector Bellerin at right back, Rob Holding at right centre back, Gabriel Magalhas for me has to return at left centre back, regardless of the own goal in the last game. We still need our best central defender on the field. Kieran Tierney, our best out and out defender, needs to be on there. And sometimes our best are taking outlet at left back. So we need him out there. I'd love to see a midfield of Thomas Partey with Joe Willock just to try to see something a little bit different, knowing that we know what Emil Smith Rowe is going to give us now. Let's support him in the best in the best way possible and have some legs in that midfield, a midfield that can actually run for 90 minutes plus, you know. Um, so it's going to be Partey, Joe Willock, and Emil Smith Rowe in the center of the midfield with Bukayo Saka on the right side, Gabriel Martinelli on the left, Andre Lacazette down the middle. Uh, Matt Ryan on the bench with Cedric Suarez, David Luiz, Anthony Menzel-Niles, Mohamed Elneny, Granit Xhaka, Rhys Nelson, Nicolas Pepe, Follerin Balugan, and Eddie Nketiah for the nine substitutes, you know. Pretty strong squad for me. I'm predicting a 2-0 win for the Goonies. Um, Lacazette and Saka for me can get us the goals, and that's going to be a solid one, bro. We need these, coach. <laughs> Real talk. Um, just a couple off-field notes coming to close the show with... Um, Martin Odegaard, or Osegaard, however y'all pronounce, pardon me, Martin, we'll get your name right. M.O., you know, shout out M.O. <laughs> He's a great pickup for us on a six-month loan, you know, knowing it's also a little exhibition trial that if he does impress us enough to for us to want to keep him while knowing that, you know, maybe Madrid aren't big on him, we can maybe get a deal in between the numbers, you know, uh, 29, 30, 32 million for a kid like that. That would be good business for us if he is what we think he is, you know. Other than that, I think he's he's a better option than overpaying Isco on loan or keeping Uzil and trying to get another six months out of him like some people were suggesting we do, you know. And at the end of the day, it's great competition for Emil Smith-Rowe, you know, because ESR needs good competition in that number 10 role where if he can have a player where Udegaard is higher rated than him and I think on age just a little bit older than him so that's the kind of like the barometer of where if Emil Smith Rowe was playing for the last two three years he may be around the similar level of regard in world football right where people know of you and respect you for what you do and see you as one of the next guys who can break out into you know a superstar level player if he can be around that conversation and around a player like that knowing he learned a lot from Mesut Ozil he can learn a lot from Udegaard and then start to find where he may be as a footballer. That would be great to see at the very least for us, you know. The castaway player compensation continues. <laughs> 
which is crazy to see because, I mean, like, we <clears throat> paid off the Uzo situation, Socrates deal or some sum in there. The Saya deal, you could count it as that. I mean, he's got six months left on his loan. We loaned him back to the team that we got him from on a free transfer. That's the equivalent of a payoff. Like, you'll all pay some of your wages, we'll pay some of your wages, and then you'll probably end up re-signing there anyway. So let's just keep this simple paperwork-wise, you know, save on the emails and all that. <laughs> um, now it seems like Mustafi could be next. Man like Mustafi, who is somebody who gives us a, a lot of headaches on the show where you know he's cuck, we know he's cuck, he kind of knows he's cuck, but Mikel plays him and sometimes gets the best out of him to the point where you're like, if you can get a best, the best out of a man like that who's cuck, what's stopping you from playing Saliba and getting the best out of him? Or even playing Callum Chambers and getting the best out of him? Because I haven't seen Chambers or Saliba be as cuck as I've seen this man be, but he gets chance after chance, but it's, it's what it is, man. <laughs> So we're praying the, the Mustafi deal gets sorted out. So that's another mandem off the books, another space for us to register mandem in the squad. And then just the bad apples getting out there. You know what I'm saying? We can start to clean up our little fruit basket and get it going. You know what I'm saying? Um, the left back issue continues as well. Because, I mean, we've spoken about this on the show today that Cedric and Ainsley Metten now aren't long-term options and fixes in there. Saka has graduated that backup utility left back role. Ryan Bertrand would be a great pickup if we could get him now, knowing his deal ends in six months at Southampton. So ideally, it's about what? You pay the compensation, five million pounds? Not bad. You pay his wages, give him a three-year deal. That's the backup left back, still able to play right now, can start some weeks. London boy, it works out for you, homegrown as well. Otherwise, promote me a Joel Lopez and let's stop talking about the situation. You know what I'm saying? Um, kind of ditto for the backup goalkeeper situation, bro. Matt Ryan is in on loan until the end of the season. All right, cool. You got somebody in there. Let's move Runeson now because he's still registered to play and he's taking up spaces. And I feel that third goalkeeper spot should be going to Carl Hyde or Arthur Okonko because of the development being stifled as a result of us having, last I checked, seven goalkeepers, young goalkeepers, pardon me, on the books in total. <coughs> Pardon me. Seven young goalkeepers on the books in total. That's a bit much, bro. When you think about it, it's like where they're supposed to be games. You can only play one goalkeeper a game, basically, type thing. You know what I'm saying? And more often than especially at youth level, you don't really shuffle the pack up too much unless you have three or four competitions, like when you have the Europa, the, the UEFA uh, Youth Champions League. I don't think we have that in the Europa League. So it's a bit more limited game-wise. We're going to have to work that out because otherwise, Carl Hein is a young Estonian international. I thought Kongo may have gone through some personal issues in the past year and a half, but he's still regarded as probably England's best young goalkeeping prospect in the, at that level. We have two potentially great young superstar goalkeepers and no game for them at a higher level than under 23 for the next couple of years. That's a tough one. We're going to have to start to, to, to work that out, you know? Um, <laughs> the last takeaway for me was kind of funny-ish. Um, not really funny, but telling. Sad. <laughs> Um, post the Southampton game, you know, we didn't score. Eddie Nketi started up front, and Balogun had a little fun with it, a la Masood Uzel, you know, social media account manager. I was hacked, you know. And having a little bit of something to say, having a dig, you know, to take at your squad, that's all good and well, and maybe a little group chat amongst you and the players in the squad, like, yo, Eddie, bro, I would have buried that chance, bro. But to come public with it, knowing the type of fan base we have as Arsenal, I think it showed the lack of maturity within the young man. Again, he's only 19 years of age. He's a social media baby. 
Um, you can understand all of that, you know, and the fact that there's truth and transparency in his statement where he's saying, y'all are lacking goals. I score goals for fun, and Eddie is nowhere near to me right now as a goal scorer at that level where Balogun's come in and he seems more comfortable as a goal scorer at that level. Yes, the other side of his game where Eddie hold up play and running off the ball and all of that, he's starting to get that very well. There are no goals. Balogun, I'm not going to chide you for how the ball doesn't stick up there when it gets up there and you get a chance and you score within five seconds of getting on the field, bro. <laughs> That's just the reality of that, you know. So we're going to have to resolve the issue. Like, if there is no new deal for Balogun and he's not wanting to sign and he's saying, I'm going to Leipzig, release the kid and let him go to Leipzig now, bro. And then let's sort that out, promote one of the younger guys in that position. I, like, I personally like Nikolaj Muller, a more physical number nine who's actually pretty mobile for a kid his size, bro. Like, let's see what we can do there. Other than that, bro... I'm a big fan of following Balogun. I'd love to see him stay at Arsenal, and I pray he does because I see a future Arsenal number nine, somebody who coming in at 19 already scored two goals. He can chase Thierry Henry's record because he scores goals for fun, bro, but he's got to want to stay at the club, and the club has to want to do everything they can to keep him there, and the agent has to play a role in making sure that those two sides come together, you know, as agent's job is to do, you know. Aside from that, I think we've done our job on the show today. You know, um, I pray you enjoy the game tonight. We'll holler back at you after that. You know, re we'll pray we can review this game sooner than three games after. <laughs> it kind of gets crazy sometimes. So what I've learned now is literally right after the game, I'll make my notes and next morning just record it and just put it up. You know what I'm saying? Maybe a five-minute episode, but fuck it. We'll get it out, you know. Aside from that, thank you for joining us, man. This has been When Highbury Was Home, a loud booth podcast presentation. I am your host, True Story. Please like and subscribe, rate and review us on all DSPs where you consume your digital media content. Let us know what the vibes is, man. Let's keep praying for some positive transfer news as well. This, you know, the transfer window's not over yet. We've got a couple, a couple of days, like a week or so left. Let's keep pushing, keep praying, you know. Send donations to the club. Let's get some deals done. <laughs> donations. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>